0: and welcome to A Living Mind. My name is Noah Holman. My guest this week is Josh Joplin. Now, Josh is set to release his first album in 10 years with Among the Open Ash called Figure Drawing. It's the third album with a band and probably the most emotional yet. Josh talks about some of the um, the songs and the inspirations and the heartache that go into them. And Josh had also a huge hit with Josh Joplin group called Camera One back in 2001. It came out under the re-released album, Useful Music, which um, was produced by Talking Hits Jerry Harrison, Camera One was, and it talks about why the song was added to the re-released album. The song took off, it was number one on the air charts. it was on TV, it to Scrubs, it was everywhere. Josh talks about the song, he talks about his time during COVID, how he got into music, and a um, very insightful conversation with Josh, and I hope you enjoy it. So Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Noel.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's can't believe it's almost been three years now since this whole pandemic started. Um, what's the last few years been like for you? And I know, like, um, you have a new album coming out with uh, among you know the Oak and Ash. But just talk about the last you know three years for you.
1: Uh. Well. Um, I mean, just for, like for everybody, it's been, you know, a total lockdown. We have a teenage daughter. So she was uh, 15 when it sort of began. Um, the, really, the truth is, is that for, for me, I was working on something that um, to stage, which was a, a small little tiny musical. And uh, we were kind of getting into the table reads and to getting people uh, around it that might uh, help it along and, uh, and maybe even fund it. But regardless, it, it uh, once obviously uh, COVID came along, it just stopped just like it has yeah. for everybody. And that was... That was going to be kind of a re-entry for me into music again, which I had sort of um, dropped off of mostly because I'd been working with uh, a friend of mine to produce their music uh, their movie and uh, we <laughs> and, uh, and I ended up producing uh, a few movies. Uh, so uh, I was kind of coming back to to music with with this uh, project and and when that, uh when that didn't come to fruition and we sort of uh went into um lockdown with everybody else in new york we were in our apartment and our daughter was doing online learning and yep. like everybody else. uh it was in some ways you know i guess you know there's not a lot of silver linings but the the uh the, one thing we were able to do my wife um had traveled a lot and it was a, she was really able to be home for the last uh three years uh with with her and uh and our daughter um went on to to get into a program that allowed her to graduate early and oh, all these things that never happened yeah and now she's uh, now she's a uh, happy uh student uh, College. So oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, so, um, and then, uh, it made, uh, me rethink, uh, how I could, uh, uh, come back to music. And we had, we had had a show, a Josh Joplin group reunion show planned. Um, COVID put up, uh, it put that, um, right out of commission. And, uh, so we'd sort of waited and, uh, that. That kind of just got my interests in writing again and playing, uh, which I had never really stopped but had, had really uh, made um, the idea of doing music again um, something rather exciting, but also uh, wanting to perform, which I haven't done since yeah. 2013 at, at Joe's Pub, I think was the last show I've right. done. So it's been a while. So. <laughs> Yeah. Long story, yes. COVID definitely interrupted me as it did everybody.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know there's like really never a good time to have, have a pandemic, but yeah. like with, with like the last couple of years, the way the technology is, I mean, a lot of people have like you know continue working and be able to like you know send files to other musicians or even have virtual concerts or, or even communicate with family members who are you know rather than just over the telephone. So it's like. At least now the technology was good enough where we can sustain this pandemic rather than maybe even 10, 15, 20 years ago.
1: No, it's absolutely true. It's amazing. And even watching, uh, you know, I, even though I had, we had had to put a, a kind of, a, we had ended uh, the production. Um, it was one of those things where I was still able to, you um, Communicate with uh, other musicians and actually play. You know, for a while we were we were holding on. um, You know, kind of to to lose threads on on hoping the pandemic. I think when we first began, we thought it'd be two or three weeks. I think just like everybody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, So we we were able to do exactly that. We were just zooming for a little while, and then, you know, these things uh, it took such a such a turn and for so much longer um that yeah i think it it did make me um reach out to people in a whole new way but also yeah. reach out to people again you know? right <laughs> I've
0: exactly always
1: been pretty good at staying in touch with old friends and and pretty good at uh maintaining my friendships i still have my friends from from grade school so i yeah. I've always been good at at keeping that um Energy in my life, but uh, this this definitely made it um, sort of different and and mm-hmm. nice.
0: Did any like songs that are on you know the new album uh, Skeptic's Gospel did come out of the pandemic for you?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, all of them for the most part were written in the last with really the last year, and I would say that um, with the exception of one or two um, and that yeah for the most part they they were written during the pandemic and i think uh, i would have kept writing regardless cuz i always have right. go- uh, even despite the fact that i don't really perform all that much um, <clears throat> i'd always been writing i think the the change really came when uh, when i started to think about uh, what i was writing and and the songs that I was writing. And I just, even though um, I had a record uh, in mind for Josh Joplin, I just yeah. felt like these songs would be a lot more fun to play with the old gang and Among the Okanash. And, right. And Josh Joplin Group is, is all the guys are so, so busy that it's tough to get them yeah. together and we all live in different places. so right. The Okanash is all centrally located for the okay. most part other than me everybody is in nashville
0: okay yeah now you know the album um, uh, you know thank you for sending me an advance copy it oh, is I, I love it and i think it's like you probably your most like powerful songs like very emotional songs to date i i think um do you, you feel that way as well
1: uh yeah i think i think um uh, i do i think that they they um I think they are. I, I don't know what else to say. About yeah, them, I
0: think that they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to mention a couple of them. Uh, I don't want to because a lot of people haven't heard them yet. So or most people haven't heard them yet. But uh, the, the first track, the opening number just goes, you know, it really connects with me. And I just think just what's the background behind that song?
2: in the sky mirrored in the windshield the cars going by it makes no difference now these miles in between the town we left behind the city of our dreams I want to get of When they come maybe join them just long enough to see where we started from to see where we started sitting around a while there's some coffee in my cup waiting on a refill but no one Maybe I'm just a ghost in a world of make-believe Some strangers paid my bill and now it's time to leave I wanna get (laughs) Uh <laughs>
1: Just Ghosts is uh is the song I've gotten to write uh, two songs on the record, Just Ghosts and History of I Do with my friend Wes doing this record with me, and we tried to do this record one time before, um, and we were doing it with a friend of ours who'd done the last record, um, or the last couple of records for Among the Okanash, and and he unfortunately uh, died suddenly of a of a heart attack, and and um, and he was a very very wonderful producer, a musician, bassist and, and all around fantastic friend, um, whose name's Brian Harrison. And right. he he was such a uh, he played such a big role in the whole idea of Among the Oak and Ash that when, when he died suddenly it really took the the winds out of our out of our sails for Wes and I. But um, I think that that song uh, came out of of yeah. losing a friend, but also um, being middle aged now and yeah. and having yeah. having uh, you know the the experience of of traveling um, and and kind of being. I, I say it's like being a an alien, you know, uh, who is both looking for life out there and is also the life out there. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Um, it was fun to do because I wrote the lyrics and, and Wes wrote the music and that was really, really, uh, a new way for, for me to, to ever write. I don't normally Mm -hmm. write anybody. Right. Um, he is, uh, uh, Westland is uh, a, a very famously wonderful um, uh, studio musician and, and just a yeah. really um, fantastic underground poet character of, of Nashville and um, so I think he understood I would send him uh, send him those two songs or I'd just send him those two lyrics and, it's been a while, uh, I think it's he like
2: understood um, something
1: about them that, that yeah. felt that's Someone told that me that,
3: that teach travel, now. thing, I don't know Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other
0: song um, I mean, can really connect with anybody um, Tell the ones you love, you love them And yeah And I, uh, reading, I know kind of the background behind that song uh, Unfortunately, another friend who out. tragically passed away too
2: So good.
1: Yeah, and actually the instance so of both events, it sounds so tragic, and it really yeah. is so tragic because Brian was a big inspiration behind Among the Oak and Ash, and Carrie Norris, uh, who um, really is the inspiration of the whole uh, idea because right. we, she was a, a first year student in college, and we were uh, very young, and she was the first real live Folk singer I'd ever met, and I was really into Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie and Phil Oakes and right. and topical songs and those things. And I thought I knew mountain music and, and Appalachian music, and and then I met uh, Carrie, who was uh, who is the granddaughter of, of uh, Lily Mae Ledford, who was a very famous okay. uh, clawhammer banjoist from Coon uh, Creek Girls, and uh, and. We just became friends uh, and stayed friends, and she's played on on, on the other records as well. Um, but uh, you know, a little bit of what you were talking about earlier uh, with uh, you know how communication changed with COVID. Right. Um, Carrie and I always stayed in touch, but we over the last year of COVID we had made almost a standing date to talk every, uh, probably every 10 days or so right. for, for a really long period of time. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, she, she really uh, dealt with uh, a lot of depression and, and had um, succumbed to her, her malady and, and committed right. suicide uh and so that was immensely hard and i think uh and it still is because she's she's such a huge um part of my life but right. uh, uh having been able to have that communication um and being able to tell her that i love her um and uh it was a reminder that there were other friends and family mm-hmm. out there that I needed to to do that with, right. as well. and and so that song certainly came out of that experience, uh, which was the last song I wrote for the record. Yeah. So we pretty much wrote it, uh, or I wrote it more or less a, a few days before we went into the studio. Um, right. So,
0: is it's kind of like heartbreak? Is that? easier to is that an easier inspiration for you to write so like where do you draw more your inspiration
1: from um i think you know i probably have always written from some spot i mean my, i wouldn't say that uh i mean you you we're talking about two people brian who passed away uh six years ago and carrie who recently passed away this past year um I think it, those experiences were transformational. So of course they'd make it into my, to my songs. Right. I used to think that I didn't write for any one thing in my life or any, I, I guess I thought that I was just writing out of uh, um, whole cloth or something. I don't know <laughs> how fancy I thought I was, but right. I realized that I'm not, and I am probably um reaching to uh, or have reached into those experiences that have both been amazing and also just something that may have been political or whatever that I've wanted to write about. Now, I don't have any, um, I don't have any, uh, I guess, question that what I'm writing and I'm much more um active in just saying what i want to say uh and saying it more probably plainly than i than i have sometimes in the past uh so yeah maybe um maybe that's a little bit of it um with those songs
0: now like the group is um, I, should, I should you know start saying among the oak and the ash opposed to josh Doppel group. they're so different in you know the, the types of music um what was the initial like response when your first album of you know of among the Oak and the Ash came out you know you had Garrison star which you know she yeah. she's fantastic well, well, is she on the new album too or
1: i she just had a record and that she's making a new record as we speak but it could be it could be any day I have to, right. I have to with with see when what's coming
0: out. Is she, but um, did she make the the new Among the Oak and Ash album
1: or so no? she's done on this one and she did yeah, unfortunately. I did ask her Okay. I, uh, her to, to be a part of it. But she's she's just she's so busy and uh I think that the truth is is um what we had done on the first couple of records was revisit old Folk songs that I was rewriting and rearranging, or just writing answers yeah. to uh, "Devil Ship," which is the second record, is right. all just um, different narratives to old folk songs that I'm writing um, from different uh, uh, points of view. Um, so yeah, I wanted her to be a part of it, and even if she had just uh, been able to do a song or <laughs> so, but it yeah. just it really didn't work out. So right, <laughs> and the truth is, is that um, Wes and I did start. A while ago, uh, wanting to make uh, make a record together, and so that this is definitely the outcropping of that. Which right. is uh, it also is probably the um, the continuation of what among the Oak and Ash really was meant to be at the very beginning, which was it was supposed to always have people coming in and out, of like a revolving door, right? Yeah. Right. You know, Wes has sort of always been a part of it. Obviously, Garrison was a big part of it. Um, Jessica Lee Mayfield. Uh those those people, but it was always supposed to like we've had Paleface on on the uh, the last record and I was a big fan of his when I was a kid. (laughs) Right. um, Um and uh this this um is more or less just me and the core group, although uh, my friend Hannah Miller, who's a wonderful mm. songwriter, um, did did a few of the songs with us, which was which was great.
0: Yeah, yeah, she had a beautiful voice on the songs. She was was really great. Now, yeah, for the first two albums, like, how did like you get Garrison and like how did you approach her with this project to kind of sell her on it?
1: <laughs> um, she she opened for me, and okay. something about her uh, was just. Um, Oh, I really liked her. I really liked her voice and song singing and, and also just her, her, uh, her stage, uh, what she she told, and then she just seemed like, um, like a kindred spirit. And so I told uh, her that, um, and at that time my daughter was, uh, young and I had taken time off the road from, from Josh Joplin. And, uh, because I was home a lot, I was playing old tunes that I used to know and that I learned from Carrie. A lot yeah. of them, and um, and I had had this idea to um to make uh a record that was supposed to be a collection of musicians, and and so it was going to be uh, Brian Harrison, okay. who we talked about earlier, and Brian Owings who uh, plays with Emmylou Harris and. He's on drums, and uh, it was going to be uh, Jeremy Darrow, who's uh, very sort of ama- well, he's an amazing bassist. Yeah. With Bluegrass band, and then we were going to pull in people, um, but with uh, with Garrison, though we um, played with uh, with um, Brian and um, and Brian Owings and Brian Harrison, and, and that just seemed like uh, seemed like such a a natural combination of of timing and, right. and sort of feeling great in the studio that we just did the whole record together and <laughs> i don't think it was exactly what garrison's plan was because i went around and i i got us uh, we got a record deal <laughs> so i was probably like what i was right. yes to yeah. now all of a sudden i'm in this thing <laughs> but uh The the next record um, was more of the original idea, which is just to bring a bunch of of different people in. And this record, although it has some people in it, this one is all original music. It doesn't have the same, it's taken a a different um, kind of turn in that it's not trying to play old time music or even things that sound all-timey.
0: I love the fact on the first one, you have all these like folk songs, like you mentioned, all-time music, and then you end it with Big Mouth Strikes Again by The, <laughs> the Smiths, which I really love The Smiths and love that song. It just, it, it's funny how that just ended up on the album.
3: <laughs>
1: That was, it. Um, so when, uh, so we had made the record and um, I think that really was an homage to my own childhood, having listened so intensely and, and uh, being such a huge fan of uh, folk music and, and really loving that. And then kind of growing up as a teenager and starting to be introduced to The Clash and the Smiths and all. Yeah, same year. I was more or less an homage to um, mm-hmm. that kind of polarity in my own life. Um, and, the, and the label was uh, was very enthusiastic. We'd do something um, that was a little different. And was, right. I was, glad, I was glad we were able to do it. It was fun.
0: Yeah you know, one of the highlights of doing this podcast is I was able to interview Andy O'Rourke in person.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Yeah. So that was, he actually came to my office and we, we did the interview and that was like amazing. I'm like, I'm sitting six feet away from him. I'm like interviewing I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this, but you know, I kept my composure and you know, got through and it was great, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great version, but uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So besides like, you know, the influences you had the folk ones like who else like influenced your creativity for music and just you know like your songwriting like was there one particular songwriter besides the the folk heroes that you mentioned
1: before um you know I think that there have been you know songwriters that have been uh inspirations to me um throughout uh my life but also especially as I I think I kind of became more interested in in um writing for you know the band uh you know Josh Joplin group yeah. and things like that. Um you know I the music that I play isn't necessarily music I listen to okay. uh, but like I'm a huge Arthur uh, uh Russell fan and you know I mm-hmm. uh I, I really like um Uh, a lot of like shoegaze stuff. (laughs) Really slow dive. Right. And I yeah. But I don't necessarily think that those things are probably coming very much out of my own writing. uh, Right. In
3: my own writing. Yeah.
1: But um, you know, I've always I don't care really where songs uh come from, um, in the sense of like they can be pop music or they can be old rock and roll or they can be um a singer songwriter. Um I think I I've always I yeah. kind of came up always just appreciating um great songs. You know, John yeah. Prime writes great songs. Right. So I love his songs. Yeah. Um you know there there are people I am you know, I love Nally Merchant's songs yeah. I, I've, loved 10,000 uh, maniacs and and uh, mm-hmm. I've always thought they they were great songs Suzanne Vega mm-hmm. um, you know so I it's hard to make a, a you know a completely I, I don't know what um, I'm plugged into necessarily because I like I said mm-hmm. I, I what I l- listen to um, isn't necessarily mm-hmm. what I can play, especially you know right. afro I love Afro pop and I can't play it. Yeah. But it. Right. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's definitely songwriting. Songwriting oh, for all the way mm-hmm. back into the end t- Alley days. I, I like it. Okay. You know, I, yeah. I, I love the whole, um, the whole, I hate the word craft, but I love the whole thing mm-hmm. of it. You know, that someone kind of creates uh, a tune and, and is able to put an idea together and you know two or three minutes Mm -hmm. maybe longer shorter that's great when did you like
0: realize like right not writing your very first song but like writing a song you realize that this could be something i'm going to do for the rest of my life
1: well i know exactly when i knew it like i wanted to be an anthropologist up until i wanted to be a folk singer okay (laughs) a small uh quaker school outside of washington dc called sandy Springs Friends school and it had a May Day. And for May Day, um, the, I was um, given a 45-minute set okay. of uh, performing. And I, you know, of course, uh, had was out there in the middle mm-hmm. of, of uh, campus and playing mostly probably Bob Dylan and, and you know, mm-hmm. Phil Oaks songs is probably what I was playing mostly. And I don't even know at that moment if I wrote songs and if i did i probably only had one or two probably did write songs at that point. then i got off and you know my two or three of the kids that were actually listening (laughs) know that was amazing like right felt like the i had the world you know (laughs) yeah so uh yeah i i knew right right then that was that was it i changed my mind about everything and i wanted to be (laughs) um i'm going to be a musician
0: and the response from your parents
3: about that would uh, be. They...
1: I'm sure it was like they've, they were incredibly supportive of okay. me because I, I did drop out of school to, you know, so that's right uh, credit for supporting me the way that they did. Um, and uh, I think it would be as a parent now, those choices that I was making then <laughs> are, boy, are they, yeah. Cool. It, it, world has only gotten harder for those uh, of us yeah. without a college degree. I can't even right. imagine those choices now. Um, they were supportive. I think also, too, I was, uh, I, I, I think I just was, I was a very focused um, young person and with a yeah. lot of drive. I had no idea what I was driving to or driving Right. Out. I was definitely somebody driven to yeah was my vision and i was gonna keep it up you
0: know i i discovered you and i guess in josh joplin group something that's almost non-existent now uh vh1 i guess it's still around but in a different format you know i guess people don't realize that it stands for video hit hits one but you won't find the video anywhere near there uh you know obviously for you know camera one which was added onto a reissue of use, Useful Music, which I found kind of interesting. I didn't know that at, at first. So how did, I, why was the album reissued to include that song? And like, when did you like write that song?
2: The sandy-haired son of Hollywood Lost his faith in all that's good Close the curtain, unplug the clock Hung his clothes on the shower rod, but he never got on. Sandy haired son of Hollywood Lost his faith.
1: Uh, Well, I wrote the song, so Useful Music had come out, and um, I had written the song really on, uh, we had started to play it live. Uh, Okay, going back, let me recess my mind here. So when we had uh, put out Useful Music, it was on a label that um, our friend Sean Mullins owned, (laughs) and um, we had started to tour that record and we were one of those bands that was we were pretty self contained and we didn't have a record label. Right. I don't necessarily know if we even needed a record label, uh, because we did seem to be able to, you know, to get by. Um but when we did get signed, we were signed to Artemis. Um and they had seen the shows where we were starting as a band, you know, you start to get antsy yeah. um, and you start other songs. And at the very um at the very moment they signed us, they wanted to reissue that record for okay. a much better release. And I think to be quite honest, we were probably playing camera one at right. that point Okay. And a few other songs for what would become the record that we yeah. would um, Put out next, which was called "The Future That Was." Right. Um, they, uh, Daniel Glass, uh, existing towering uh, legend in the mm. music industry, along with uh, uh, Danny Goldberg, who owned the label. Those two okay. together. I mean, he was a big promotions person, and he, right. had, he had an ear for radio. And he's gone on to, you know, it was Phoenix and uh, and. Comfort and Sons and a bunch of other right. bands he's he's launched um, with his with his own label. Um, last note. Uh, he heard it, I imagine, at a show and he said that's a song we should put on the record. And I don't think any of us at this point we were already signed but right. I don't think any of us signed up to put this a song on this record, we were expecting to put it on the, the next record. One. We just assumed that we were going to be putting out the record that was already out. And this yeah. is of course the late '90s, so right. you know the insanity of the music business. Yeah, and all of the things that were. Um, Daniel felt really positively, or uh, really positive about that song and that catch, and yeah. he had all the experience. I had no experience, so. Um, it was really my friend and, and uh, then attorney, um, Reed Hunter, who said, you know, what harm can it do? Um, you, know, you have, we'd already written the next record. And, okay. um, but I did really feel uh, very close to that tune. And I was sort of glad that Daniel yeah. heard it for what it was, I guess, in his mind. And right. and then I, you know, the rest for us as a short brief history it was yeah. history nonetheless and uh and then yeah that that became the the first independently released number one song mm-hmm. in the country which is kind of crazy and, yeah and now it's kind of one of those tunes where you know if you meet somebody who you know they don't know who i am but they might might my song you know, they heard it in like home depot or something
0: right <laughs> yeah. or yeah or scrubs yeah. or something like that, right.
1: right? Exactly. That's another big one. Exactly. Yeah. And so and now Dawson's Creek has been re-released, so there's yeah, for, yeah, for Josh
0: Trump's music, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that was like the like the age, like the late '90s, early 2000s, when it was like so important for bands and artists to have songs and shows. Yeah, you know, and it it really promoted you know the fact because obviously now there's so many different like sites you know like to watch shows, but then it wasn't as many, so people had to watch pretty much the same stuff, and it was just it gave you guys such a bigger audience to have you know a song on Scrubs where like Zach Braff always had great music on that show.
1: Yeah, no, we were very lucky to be on that and to be for Zach to have. I mean, they were to be on that show because. Yeah he obviously has such a big reputation for for the music that he chooses um well i'd say uh you're right it was so different and it was so it was so i was felt i feel so privileged in some ways to have had the experience Mm -hmm. of having daniel glass be the kind of executive that basically knocked down doors and wherever he was he was dragging me by the ear you know to come into the office with right. him um, and i feel really privileged like that he was doing this stuff and also privileged because it's such an old-timey thing that doesn't happen anymore and right. going in going into the offices of at that time Borders Books or <laughs> Barnes and Noble, right. Or, or uh, you know, countless other venues that were yeah. both retailers and also, you know, yeah, I'm so like taken by the fact <laughs> that like I was sort of going around with my guitar, uh, with Daniel and his team, and I was out there, you know, in, not to over. Um, get over my skis here a little, bit it was like having, uh, that experience of like, kid, we're gonna make this happen, you know, and it's like right. you know, the Colonel and Elvis, you know, yeah. <laughs> them, just like happening this thing. That I don't think that happens anymore. And right. the truth is, because it happened, got all of these personal experiences, mm-hmm. like eating with Heavy D, Chow's at- <laughs> in L.A., or yeah. meeting you know, uh, uh, pink, you know, or yeah. whatever it might be, like all these crazy things. Right. And the truth is, is that at this point, um, or Jay-Z, that was another big one at the, oh, wow. at the Goody, uh, yeah. convention, you know, like he was just, he was just that kind of person. And, um, I wasn't exactly that kind of artist in many yeah. ways, because I, I think that there are artists who... Who are a lot better at um, at shucking and jiving and doing their thing. Yeah. Did my best, and, right. and honestly, I, we didn't expect to have really. We just wanted help from the record label to make our, our lives a lot easier and have kind of a team of people selling yeah. the record. Um, by the second record, which we did dismally, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you and that that's again very. Uh, much a part of of what often happens, especially if you're selling a song at radio, and you know we were again we were we were sort of lucky because we had um, we had an audience that already knew us prior to all that stuff, so we yeah. were able to playing shows, and then I went on and, and kept playing shows for a really long time, um, which was which was great. Yeah. Now
0: like the whole record like that was pretty much the end of a certain era with your yeah. record with exactly. cd sales and everything like that like napster started and, and and whatnot do you think that caused i mean because the future was it's, it's a really good album you know it's it's it, it, i think it's as strong as useful music but do you think that hurt it as well because of the whole record like industry changed um,
1: i think what I think maybe, I don't really know, to be honest, Noel. I think the truth is, is that our, our songs were, uh, (laughs) you know, our band and my songs and then they're all little, they're a little off the, you know, they're not, not solidly in one thing and they have, they're maybe even, even they're strange sometimes. I mean I we were we just did this yeah. reunion show yeah. and I was listening back to both of those records in particular, even yeah. though we had really had records prior to those too. Right, right. I was thinking, wow, I mean there are tunes I don't write I don't write yeah. any bridge to. Most people write bridges and songs, you know, especially when yeah, yeah. that craft quote unquote right. has become such yeah. thing. But because I'd come from out of folk music, that was not a thing and I didn't ever think that i needed to make it a thing yeah Uh, yeah i don't know what i do know that by the time uh the future that was was coming out i imagine and i don't know to be really honest i i don't know what was going on behind the scenes at artemis but even artemis which Mm -hmm. i am so grateful to be on that label because again it was so quirky and so funny because, you know we were on a label with Jay Mascus and the Pretenders and the Baja men and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like it was just such a right. fantastically like awesome yeah. strange, wonderful place yeah. and uh, there's I still have a well I have a still a really dear friend that that um, came at, you know was, was in the promotions team with Daniel Um, His name's Ray DePietro. He's an amazing photographer. And and I think he still does the music business thing, even though we don't actually ever really talk about that stuff anymore. Because we just become friends and and enjoy um, talking about photography and art and all those things. But anyhow, coming out of that experience, when we have reminisced, I love getting his perspective, even though I don't have my arms around what might have been happening at that time right in the record label. I imagine the record label and I don't know how much longer it went on after that record, but I think it was probably due to the fact that it took a lot of money to, you know, make
3: mm-hmm.
1: hits in right. and that if that was the that was the goal yeah. then it's It takes a lot of, of sales. And I think the truth is, is that when the future that was didn't sell nearly as well as useful music, it was just, you know, the accountants who were like, this is not a good right. idea to put more money into this. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. We were, uh, we as a band, the Josh Joplin Group, were very conscious uh we can we came into that record saying you know what listen if this doesn't if this doesn't do well yeah. didn't we have a great time and wasn't this right. wonderful and yeah. we all go back to whatever lives uh, you know at that time alan was uh potentially going to become which he has um, become the headmaster of a private school and eric who was our drummer yeah. is, uh, is moving to africa right. And Jeff is now uh our bass player uh a restaurant and, and Deeds um wanted to be an artist and wanted to paint and wanted okay. to. So Deeds is, did yeah. that, and so everybody right. did that. All, did yeah. Uh, and we were able to go into it without having, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, VH1, without having the behind the music stuff where we all hated <laughs> each
0: <laughs> other. Right, and then the bands <laughs> were united to follow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. So yeah, I, I uh, but to be honest, no, I'm sorry for such long answers. That's um, quite right. Yeah. I don't know uh, Mm -hmm. what happened, but we just were rolling right along. And one of the things that did definitely was different was uh, Artemis supported a lot of our touring, which is what labels used to do. Uh, And they may still do to some degree, but uh, on that record, they kept pulling me off the road to do other stuff. So uh, we would be on the road and then they would fly. Fly me to wherever and I would do something solo and that mm-hmm. that was very different. I right. That, that also was very wearing too because you know, they'd go it's some crazy scheduling stuff yeah. like have a show one night in LA, but I'd be flying to Seattle and then mm-hmm. back for right. the show. And yeah. it was a little bizarre. But again you know we just were sort of like oh okay i guess this is what you do
0: exactly right part of the business yeah what was like yeah the late i know you did a couple of late night shows letterman conan so i'm sure those those i'm sure those are pretty fun
1: oh my gosh yeah i mean i uh, wouldn't conan first of all uh is was my favorite experience of all those late night shows because <laughs> uh, deeds was having issues with uh, their amp and uh, it wasn't wasn't working right it was, uh it was like conking out and i don't even know if we, it was something that was rented or whatever but cone is a huge uh guitar person which i didn't even and i didn't know at that time right uh he was actually willing to run down to the, his office and go grab one of his amps i mean it's just oh wow that was just, yeah it just makes it yeah. makes me like him and who's you know it makes me have have those experience with him having had the experience with him like that where he almost got involved in something that we're this nobody band who's just playing on the show right involved in such a way it was really really heartwarming but we it ended up that we were able to use the amp that we had and okay and he he was the most um like he he was the most approachable, and so we had an experience. Um, with uh, the other uh, hosts, it was more like you just played your thing,
0: and that's and it.
1: Yeah. You and then they they might walk right to you, you know. And, and David Letterman was very very nice, but nothing yeah. like Conan. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you're right.
3: And
1: your issues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and and I since then have always just anytime uh he's on or i i just i so appreciate him
0: yeah that's great now do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio
1: um actually the first time i ever heard uh the song without having known when it was going to play you know okay. like because we're doing a, a radio interview or something and i yeah knew that they're going to after we leave or whatever, right. um, the first time I ever actually heard it was, um, I was driving to my house in uh, upstate New York, and it was playing on, uh, WDST, which is a Woodstock mm-hmm. station, uh, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever heard it, like yeah. out of, blue. and then the second time. Uh, was as exciting because I was in a Ralph's in Los Angeles and okay. I was like,
3: this really? is amazing,
1: uh, yeah. you know? So, and, you know, of course, uh, after, there was a while where you, you could catch it, you know, and then it wasn't it was quite as exciting, but yeah. It in LA because it just felt like I'm not even near where I live. Yeah. I'm not even right. near where the table is. This is yeah. like across That's the world. Cool. Right. And, uh, and so that was, that was fun.
0: What about like the most interesting place?
1: Um, the most interesting place I'd heard my music wasn't from that record, um, but I did. Uh, I was in uh, I was in uh, Belgium, and, okay. and uh, two things concurrently happened. I had just been in um, oh gosh, uh, I had just been in Germany. And I had seen my best friend's band's sticker on a no parking sign, and this is a Mm -hmm. hardcore band uh, who has truly has a following. But I never expected they're a DC hardcore band called Clean Fun. And I had just come from seeing an actual good Clean Fun sticker on a no parking sign uh, in Oh gosh, and um. In Germany, and I'm am just blanking on the city. But anyhow, uh, it was shortly after that I had taken a train to uh, Belgium, and I had heard uh, heard my song, and I was oh. like, "This is this is insane!" And yeah. it wasn't even it wasn't even Camera One. Right. It was from uh, it was from Jay Walker, which is a, okay. a, a solo record. Right. And uh, it it was completely. Uh, took me by by surprise. So that was the most fun and most yeah. exciting, right?
0: Happening. That's uh, that, that's awesome. But Josh, I really appreciate your time today. This was fantastic. I, I, yeah, can't wait for a Skeptics' Gospel to come out. Um, and best of luck.
1: Thank you so much, and same to you. And 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 I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: special thanks to josh for joining me today figure touring comes out in may if you want to follow josh joshjoplin.net he's also on facebook if you have a guest suggestion you can hit me up on twitter at the first all one or like the page will be my youth on facebook you can go to itunes check out all the past episodes we've had while you're there please rate you read the show don't have itunes not a problem shows on soundcloud spotify podbean amazon music basically or if you can find a podcast a new episode comes in every week and before we go, we're going to play the first single off of the album. It's called Figure Drawing.
3: Take Where care.
2: is the line between fact and fiction? The one we crossed when it was over. Some take the books and some take the high road. Me, I just took what I could carry. I could see the mountains I thought I'd stay Until the day I left And all those things That I thought were so precious You know I left them in a box By the Goodwill bin Lines on the page May soften with age But the pictures Someone I've seen And they say that the muse Is the only thing you lose For me I'm still figure drawing I had a friend I never thought about him dying Until one night I got the call that he had John spoke softly, with the world was exploding. I fell to my knees, haven't gotten up since. The lines on the page may soften with age, but the pictures sign. drawing the rains came and they filled up the valley the dam burst and it took our little home the wife and i we went back to the ruins like servants of old in the last days of Rome. But the pictures, some more I've seen. And they say that the muse is the only thing you lose. Well me, I'm still figure drawing. home like I can't even believe it I blinked my eyes and you were already 10 went to bed and now you're leaving for college what a wonder it is just how lucky I've been you